I know many of you are probably wondering, Bill, you're not supposed to be on stage right now. I thought you were going to have a special guest coming here. Well, we were supposed to have a special guest here today, but unfortunately due to the COVID restrictions and everything else, his plans, we had to change his plans, and unfortunately he was unable to be with us today. But he was grateful enough to provide me some of the template of his notes so that we'll be able to continue on in what our focus was going to be this morning. You know, Rudyard Kipling was a great writer and poet back in the day whose writings have been read by millions around the world. He's one of those few authors that, that made a great deal of money while he was still alive and doing his writing. And one time a newspaper um, reporter was following Kipling very closely and he came up to him and he said, he said to Kipling, Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings that they've estimated you make $100 per word. And Mr. Kipling raised his eyebrows and he said, really, I wasn't aware of that. And then the reporter cynically said to him, here's $100. Can you give me one of your $100 words? And the story goes that Mr. Kipling took the $100 bill. He looked at it, he paused, and he put it in his pocket, and he just said, thanks. <laughs> you know, he's right though. The word thanks has so many great potential. It's so awesome in potential. The word thanks is the one word that we seldom tend to use so often in our day and age. It's rarely spoken and it's too often forgotten. But thanksgiving provides the path to maximum living in our life. It pro provides us the path of experiencing the fullness that Jesus wants to offer to us. It's the power to overcome our temptation. It's the ability to resolve and, be, and stick to it and stay the course that one day Jesus can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It gives us the ability to be effective and to be productive in our life. The simple word thanks means so much, doesn't it? Because here's the reality, my friends. Maximum living is found in the heart of thanksgiving. It really is. We want to achieve maximum living in our life. We want to be productive in our day-to-day -day in what Jesus is calling us to. And the, the ability to uh, achieve the fullest potential in that regard is through the heart of thanksgiving. And my friends, I know in this morning, in this day and age, there is a plague that's threatening our land. And it's been running rampant. It's, it's been pulling us away from our God-given potential. There is an epidemic that's destroying us. And it's not the virus. It's the epidemic of complaining. It's the epidemic of not being satisfied of often tearing down others with our words. It's like a malignant spirit consuming all of our households. Whining has become an art form for so many of us. Maybe it's about the weather or the traffic or food or, or work or our neighbors or politics or our government or maybe even our church. And some of us have become so critical, it's almost like a badge of sophistication for us of pride and arrogance of what we are complaining about. It's become fashionable in so many of our circles to take cheap shots at other people or provide more and more critical components. We live in a world of Monday morning quarterbacks. You know who those are? 
Those are the people that even though the Steelers are 10-0, and 0, they love to wake up on Monday morning and pick apart everything that they feel the Steelers could have done better. The way that Coach Tomlin may have been able to, to improve. We love to pick it apart. We love to say, well, they might have won, but they really stunk here. We are really good at taking cheap shots. And it's not just in sports. It's at each other. It's at each other. We become really good at complaining. We become really good at tearing others down. Dr. Dale Robbins once said that complaining doesn't change anything or make situations better. Complaining, all it does is amplify our frustrations. It spreads discontent and discord and can invoke an invitation for the devil to cause havoc in our lives. That's what complaining does. Complaining makes you, complaining makes me, it makes us miserable. It just makes us miserable and it sucks all the joy out of our lives. It really does. You know, in Psalm 77, the writer wrote these words. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You see the heart of complaining that took place even back in that day. And you know, I really believe that complaining and, and tearing others down and not being satisfied is at the heart of our human nature. It began with Satan. The Bible in the Old Testament talks about how Satan was not thankful for his place that God provided to him. And he wanted more and he ramped up to rebellion and he took others with him. And the Bible says that one third of the angels in heaven were ungrateful because of the Satan's manipulation and left their God and their God-given assignments and went to spend eternity in the lake of fire. The gnashing of teeth. teeth. It's the forever of regrets. That's where they are, where they will be. And his desire is to pull us all down there with them. It began in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had everything except for one tree. And they were not, and they were not grateful for what they had. They weren't thankful for God's word. They weren't grateful for what God provided them. And so they went down a path of disobedience that brought death and disease and crime and terrorism into our world. And they followed the path that Paul talks about in Romans 1 verse 21 when Paul writes these words. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Ungratefulness began at the beginning of time and just continued on. You know, the children of Israel throughout the Old Testament were showered by God with blessings and, they, and, and all the things that he did to them. And we're still talking about those blessings over 3,000 years later. God took these people who were enslaved in Egyptian slavery for years he miraculously did all these signs and wonders. He brought them out of that. And all they did to Moses and all they did before God, after all that that God did for them, all the ways he revealed to them was they grumbled. They complained. They were never satisfied. Read their stories in the Old Testament. Grumbling seems to be a part of our human nature. 
And in the New Testament, Paul talks about grumbling in his letters to churches, like his, his letter to the church in Corinth and other places, how the people have become grumbling. And it just leads them to journey away from Jesus rather than experiencing the fullness of Jesus. Grumbling has really seemed to become a part of our society, of our human nature. Maybe you're unthankful for your job and it just leads you down to a heart, a, a bad attitude and one step closer to unemployment. Maybe you're unthankful for your growth group or you're unthankful for your time worshiping together here in this moment. And it just leads you to one step closer to hardening your heart towards God and what he wants to do within you. Maybe you're ungrateful for the gifts that God gave you to use for his glory, for his kingdom. And all it does is cause you to take one step further away from not using your gifts and hiding away from God using your abilities for his glory, for his kingdom. Maybe you're unappreciative of your wife or your husband. And all it does is take you one step closer to rebellion in your own relationship. You know, my friends, complaining is the arch enemy of productivity in your life. It really is. In all facets of your life, complaining is the arch enemy. And it will destroy you. And oftentimes, we are living separated from our best because of the attitude that's within our own hearts. That's really what's happening. And happening so many times for so many of us. I, I'm, I'm, I've fallen into that trap. Let's be honest, we've all fallen into that trap at some point. And maybe some of us are living in that trap right now. Spiritual maturity, my friends, is not the number of years that you've gone to church. Spiritual maturity is not how many Bible facts you can spout out here in this room or on Facebook or wherever it may be. That's not spiritual maturity. The measure of your maturity is your walk with Jesus. And your level of gratitude and your depth of appreciation for who he is and what he's leading you towards. That's maturity. Psalm 118 verse 1, it's written, To give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. If you want to experience maximum living, my friends, it is developed with a heart of thanksgiving that engages the heart of God. That engages who Jesus is and what he is all about and what he's doing for you. Please know this. Developing, developing the heart of thanksgiving starts with praise for his faithfulness in the past. That's where it begins. It starts with praise for his faithful in, faithfulness in the past. It's remembering how God has always come through. Not just what we read in the Bible, but what we see in our own journey as well. Understanding and remembering how God has come through in the past. His faithfulness, as the Bible describes it. Just stopping and praising him for who he is. That develops a heart of thanksgiving. And you know what else that does? It is the Lord that causes you to engage Jesus more and experience him more. You see, God revealed his faithfulness. He revealed his love for us by his work on the cross. That is the definition 
of his faithfulness to you and to me, to all of us. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? You know, every week here at Impact, we pause for just a moment to remember the sacrifice of Jesus in our time that we call as communion. You see, we believe this is one of the most important parts of our gathering together. We believe it is so vital that we want to do it on a weekly basis. You know why? Because we believe this is our opportunity in the craziness of our lives, the hectic schedules that we have. This is our opportunity to just once a week pause and remember Jesus. Be thankful for his sacrifice. And participate in his death and his burial and resurrection. Because that is the most pivotal, pivotal part of our journey. That is the transformation of this world. And the transformation of our hearts. That's why we do that every week. That's why we believe that's so vital in our weekly worship time together. Because the world gets so much of us. And we just want to take the opportunity to remember Jesus, to remember his sacrifice, to remember his life for us. And that together as individuals and collectively as a body of believers, we can partner with Jesus. Did you know that the Latin word for the cross is actually crux crucial? Or even better termed, crux of the matter. That's how we get that phrase. It's from the word, the Latin word from the cross. And so in other words, the cross is the crux of the matter. It is everything to us. God knew that our sin would separate us from him. God knew that because of our poor choices, because of our own bad behavior and our warped and messed up hearts, that there would be such a great divide that we would never be able to jump over it. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to the cross. Because that was the crux of the matter. That was everything for us to bridge that divide. To give us purpose in life. To give us meaning in our everyday journey. To give us connection with the God who because of his holiness can have nothing to do with sin. It is what intertwines us with him. And we cannot fully engage and experience the heart of God without weakly connecting with the crux of the matter. That is the cross. He gave his life so that we may live. He gave his life and he walked out of that tomb so that you may have purpose in your life and purpose in your journey. He paid that debt. And so know this, my friends. Knowing Jesus gives us power in the presence. It does. The more you know him, the more you engage him, the more you... uh, and just be in his heart in the moment with him, the more you will understand the power that he has for your life in your day-to-day journey. That's just walk with Jesus 
Every person, you and myself included, has temptation. Every person, you and myself included, goes through trials. We have good days and we have bad days. Days that we would love to forget about. Maybe it's because of our own shortcomings or whatever it may be. But we also, listen to me here, you also have the opportunity to be fruitful. You have the opportunity to be productive in your life. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. My friends, whether or not you weather the storm of temptation, whether or not you become bitter or better, whether you are developed through trial or devastated through the process of the storm, whether or not you overcome the temptation or to become all that God wants you to be or, or whatever it may be, what, determined by whether you have engaged Jesus. It's all determined by if you are walking with him in your daily life, always remembering his faithfulness in the past. Gives me power in the present. Because praise for God's faithfulness in the past, it always gives me power and you power to be productive in the present. It really does. Your strength is not because of what you've done, not because of your education, not because of how much you can bench press. Your strength has always been and will always been based upon your engagement with Jesus. That's your strength. And I'll be honest with you, that's my strength. That's all I got. That's all we got. Alan Perkins once said, a thankful spirit is one of the key distinguishing marks of a Christian. It sets us apart from the world. It makes us different. Last week I talked about your story. And we're going to build upon that. Because you have a story. And you know what will change this world? Is your story. And you know how your story is revealed? That no matter the storm, no matter the circumstances, your heart of gratitude because of what Jesus has done is shining through. You're not a complainer. You're not a naysayer. You're not a tear people down. You reveal the heart of God through your attitude of thankfulness. That's what we strive to be. That's what we strive to do. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. Philippians 2, verses 14 through 15. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You, that's you, circle that. You will shine like the stars in the sky. Why? Because you have an ad attitude towards the heart of God. You do everything without grumbling or complaining. You become blameless and pure. And then you will shine. Then you will shine. Unfortunately for many of us, our lights have been flickering. Or our lights have been shadowed or because of our attitudes, because of our complaining. You have the ability 
to shine, but it starts in here. It starts here. You may say, well, Bill, I, I, you don't know my story. I'm too messed up. You don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter. God does and says you have the ability to shine. Bill, I, I just don't have those skills. I don't have the ability to do what other people does. That's baloney. You do. Why? Because of Jesus. You have a God-given talent that was only given by the creator of everything that is. You have the ability to shine. And we need you to shine. We need you to shine. There was an encounter with Jesus in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 19, I'm just giving you like an overview of this story. I encourage you to read it in Luke chapter 19. This man by the name of Zacchaeus. And the Bible describes this man as being short and, and he was a tax collector. And in case you didn't know it, tax collectors were evil in those days. You know, to the, to the, people, to the Jewish nation. You know why? Because they cheated the people. You see, the Roman, they worked for the Roman government, so they were already politically against the people, against their own people. But then they wanted to advance them, their own selves. And so what they would do is they would, when people came to pay their taxes, they would say, they would tilt the weights that would collect the taxes to benefit themselves. So maybe you owed 10% to the Roman government, but they would tilt it to make it 15%. So that 5% would go right into their pocket. So in other words, Zacchaeus cheated his own people. And they knew it. And because of it, he burnt a lot of bridges of the people in his life. And here we find ourselves in Luke chapter 19. It was at the height of Jesus' popularity. And people were flocking. They heard Jesus was coming into their town. And they all want to see him. And you can just imagine one of the biggest parades in that time was happening right here in this city. And people were just flocking all over the street to get a glimpse of this man, Jesus. They've heard stories about him. Now is the opportunity to see, them, see this man with their very own eyes, hear him with their very own ears. Zacchaeus wanted to see him. But he had two roadblocks. Number one, the Bible says he was a short man. And he was behind the crowd, and he could, just, he could not see over the people. And you know what else? No one was giving him an opportunity. Because they knew who Zacchaeus was. They knew what Zacchaeus had done. And so I can just imagine the story. Zacchaeus coming through, trying to see Jesus, and people are like, nope, can't see here. Nope, boop, knock him out. You know, and just not letting him get through to see Jesus. But he wanted to see him so bad. He wanted to engage Jesus with everything he had. So you know what he did? He found a tree. And the Bible says he climbed up that tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And then the amazing happened. Jesus and his entourage came walking through. And he stopped by that tree. And he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, I see you. Come here, Zacchaeus. I want to go home with you. I want to go to your house and hang out with you. Zacchaeus jumped out of that tree. People began to grumble and complain. The church people began to grumble and complain. How, Jesus, could you love him? How could you accept him? Why are you hanging out with him? Look at me. Look what all I've been doing. 
the church people complained. And they missed out on the heart of God in that moment. But Zacchaeus, with all of his boundaries, with all the things that we would say, "Mm, you're just not good enough, just not acceptable, all that he laid at the heart and and the feet of Jesus. Jesus went to his house, and in that moment, we see a man who once was overwhelmed by his poor choices to a man that just could not stop telling the story. Jesus, I'm just so sorry for what I've done. Jesus, I give you everything. I want to make everything right. Everybody I wronged, I want to like double and triple my payment back to them. I want to make it right for you. You are everything to me, Jesus. I want to engage you. And we saw a man that was unproductive because of his poor choices become extremely productive simply because he engaged Jesus. He engaged him. Look what, as this story finishes out in Luke 19, verses 9 through 10, Jesus said to him, that's Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus engaged Jesus. He showed him a level of thankfulness and praise that transformed his heart into action. And he went out from there in action for Jesus. And can I just pause here in this moment? I believe there's some of you right now in this room or online. You kind of feel like Zacchaeus, don't you? Maybe your life hasn't been productive. You've been more focused on trying to get yourself ahead at the sake of others. That let's be honest, spiritually, emotionally, and just your God-given talents have not been productive. Maybe you've been holding yourself back because of your poor choices like Zacchaeus. I believe that Jesus wants to engage you. I believe he wants to engage you. And just like Zacchaeus on that day, I believe he wants to say the same for you. Today, salvation has come to your house, to your life. You can experience the same thing that Zacchaeus experienced. Will you just engage him? If you need to talk to somebody, come to Engage Impact. We're here for you. We love you. And we want to help you on this journey. But the question we need to ask is, have we engaged Jesus? Have you engaged him? You know, how can you really know that there is a growing level of praise in your life, of thankfulness in your life? Here's some benchmarks that you can kind of use as, as to describe your heart or to better understand where your heart is at. I mean, let, just be real with yourself in this moment, okay? I'm asking you, in this moment, can you just be reflective on your own self? How much do you enjoy worship now more so than you did five years ago? I mean, are you more excited about it? Are you more engaged to it? Or is it just kind of another, I got through it? Where are you at? You know, 
You can also know how the level of praise in your life if you are thankful for being forgiven. And you'll know how thankful you are for being forgiven. Because you may find it easier to actually forgive other people who have wronged you. When you become filled with grace, you become a conduit of mercy to others. Are you a person that strives to live a life of mercy and grace and forgiveness? Or are you looking at the first opportunity to complain and throw jabs and knock down? That, that reveals your heart. You are grateful to God. You will serve his bride, his church, in ways that God has gifted you. Another way of knowing your level of praise is when you share your story. Like Zacchaeus and so many other people in the Bible, do you look forward to telling your story of what Jesus has done in your life, being that light? Or do you constantly hold that back? You know your level of praise when you are a person who constantly strives to reach out to hurting people and broken people in your life. When you give God the best of your time, your resources, and your talent. And when you encourage others in your daily journey, you become an encouragement to others in their walk with Christ. Those are some benchmarks. How you can better know, where's my heart? Where's my level of praise? Where's my level of thankfulness? You know, my friends, the heart of thanksgiving is a gratitude of life in action. It's thanking God for the gift of life by living triumphantly. It's thanking God for our talents and abilities that he's giving to us and trusting in him to use our gifts and our talents for his glory. It's thanking God that, that he brings all the good gifts to us and happiness and joy and we're living that joy to other people. It's giving God thanks no matter what happens all around us. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you catch that? In all circumstances, we are called to give thanks. Many people ask, what's God's will for my life? He explains it right here. That you see him in all circumstances. In good days and in bad. In triumph and heartbreak. In all circumstances, you see God and you walk in thankfulness with him. You walk in gratitude for what he's done for you. You see God's faithfulness in the past. You see how he's worked, not just in the Bible, but in your own life. And you engage him in the present like Zacchaeus did on that day. Because know this, my friends. God gives us peace for every challenge that is yet to come. This is our hope for the future. This is our hope for the future. Thankfulness for God as our creator. As our creator of all. We are his cherished creations. You are a cherished creations. He made us more than conquerors through Christ. And it's Christ who gives us strength. To give us the ability to move, through, move forward. You know, on November 22nd, 1963, the world was put into absolute shock with the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. 
He was on his way to deliver a speech that we never heard and very few ever read. And in this speech, he would have said these words. We in this country, in this generation, are by destiny rather than choice the watchmen of the walls of world of freedom. We ask therefore that we may be worthy of our power and responsibility, that we may exercise our strength with wisdom and restraint, and that we may achieve in our time, for all time, the ancient vision of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That must always be our goal, for as was written long ago, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. That was a hard day for our nation. But did you also know, on that same exact day in 1963, one of the finest Christian thinkers of the last century, C.S. Lewis, died on that same day. Many of our finest Christian leaders of recent history will tell you that C.S. Lewis' writings left a tremendous impact on their lives. I know he did for me. And then did you also know that on that same dreadful day in 1963, Adolphus Huxley died, the atheist who wrote Brave New World, who raised another atheist son named Sir Julian Huxley, who helped design the evolutionary education for American children. And when Huxley was close to his death, his dying words of encouragement displayed his deep despair about the future and his cynicism. His philosophy, he would say, inject yourself with enough medication to blur the reality that we are going into eternal nothingness. You know, my friends, we can have all the knowledge that the world provides, yet still miss the reality of hope. Knowledge in this world is not hope. Jesus is hope. My friends, God's presence is real. His hope is secure. He is more interested in your life of gratitude than how much you think you know, how much you think you can gain. So in your life, which do you talk more about, your blessings or your disappointment? Are you a complainer or are you always grumbling? Are you always finding fault in, with the circumstances that you're facing? Are you content with what you have or are you always dissatisfied in your life wanting more? Do you find it easier to count your blessings or is it easier for you to count your own afflictions? Do you express thanks to others when, when they help you or do you just take it as their due that they owe to you? Would you say that you are a thankful person? You know, have you sent a thank you card to somebody within the past year or the past month? Have you picked up the phone and just made a call to say thank you to someone within the past year? Are you thankful for your glass being half full? Are you grumbling because it's half, half empty? Are you grateful for what others have done in your life? Do you congratulate others when they excel and or are promoted or improve in their day-to-day -day lives? Or are you dissatisfied because they excelled and you don't feel you did? My friends, dissatisfied and complaining attitudes, all it does is cause you and me to implode within. But I'm calling you to experience the goodness that God has for you. Engage Jesus. Remember his faithfulness. See how he's working right now in your life. How he wants to make you productive and receive maximum living because of what he's doing in your heart.
and what he wants to do through your life. See the hope that he has for you. See the hope that he has for us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Lord, I'm just asking for forgiveness because I know in my life there's been many times when I haven't been thankful. There's been many times when I've been a grumbler or a complainer. Forgive me for those moments, Father God. And help me to experience you. Help us experience you, Father God. You know, right now in your own words, I want to give you an opportunity to say that same prayer. Just take a few seconds and seek the heart of God. Father, you hear our prayers. And right now in this moment, we lay them at your feet. Help us have an attitude that honors you. Help us to engage you fully and live in thankfulness and experience you not just in our heart, but in how we live. And Lord, right now I'm praying specifically for those in this room and those online who, like Zacchaeus, need that moment that salvation comes to our house. Lord, give them your strength. Help them to reach out to us that we can help them in that journey to experience the fullness of you. And Lord, we love you so much because of who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.